Welcome to Envision from the United Way of Greater Charlottesville and News Radio 98.9 and 1070 AM WINA. With Price Thomas, I'm Robbie Respetto, coming to you right here from downtown Charlottesville. I want to thank our sponsor, Carter Myers Automotive. And with that, Price. Your your that your, your radio voice is much different than your regular yelling at price voice. That's it not is. that is not. I have perfected my radio yeah, voice. Yeah, that, that is not the timbre yeah. in which I'm used to being scolded. No, no, yeah, I don't, it, comes, it comes fast and hard. I don't know how I scolding. feel. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> We are we are back here today and very excited to be joined by Janelle Lynch, founder and CEO of Executive Doula Agency and, and a million other things, which I will let her tell you about because I will certainly not do it justice. We appreciate you coming down with us today. Thank you for having me this morning. So give us a little bit. Um, I, you know, I always ask the, the one question that I do always ask everyone. I think it's the only one that I've yeah. ever consistently asked is just give us a little context, just kind of the spark notes of, um, of you, of just kind of your history and the work that you're doing today. Oh, all right. Where do I start? Yeah, they'll see that's that's the, the fun of it. <laughs> um, well, first and foremost, I am a mother of four, wow. married, four kids here in the public school system in Charlottesville. There you go. Um, have worked across various industries, sports, tech, um, finance. And what sparked Executive Doula, which I know we'll go into a little bit later, is watching women tap out mm. of the finance industry once they became mothers. Because one, mm. they could afford to. Yeah. But what I noticed is that we will always have a gender gap problem mm. in the finance industry if women continue to tap out at that middle management level. Yeah. Mm. When they get ready to Yeah. And so, you know, as I was playing events and talking to different state pension plans and we're looking to bring in senior women, I always had like, 10 women that I would go to. And right. after a decade, it's like, all right, we're running out oh, of women. You guys are getting, like, yeah, what's happening right. here? The pipeline is growing the pi- small. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And while there are some phenomenal programs and partnerships with mm-hmm. universities all across the country, yeah. with um, internship programs and mm-hmm. things like that, which is phenomenal, but if we don't figure out resources and be proactive about that motherhood journey for right. women, hmm. right then they're going to continue to tap out and we're always going to have a gender gap issue. Absolutely. And so I personally became a doula, which is a little different, I think, than most people who are doulas, like my background. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a way for me to talk to women about their pregnancy journey, mm. labor, but then also their career and how can they continue on their path. And so that's kind of like what sparked executive uh, mm-hmm. Doula, but my my background was in marketing communications. This is where I started out. Actually, when I was in college, my first internship was at a radio station. That is fantastic. <laughs> full, I love it. Full circle. I, I, I do have wow. to ask. I have to ask one question because it came to me, and, and as a as a guy and a young guy and someone who just had a kid, I, I'm interested in this from both of you. Mm-hmm. Two like powerhouse m- women executive moms, though. Here and here's why I'm interested. Executive mom. Because well, because the socialization of young women is is very much steered toward motherhood. Oh, absolutely. Right, and it's absolutely. not steered toward being executives or being businesswomen oh, or no. doing both. Oh, so doing it seems both. so it seems both. like you or get to a both. point where it's like, it's okay, well you can you can hustle till you're thirty, right. quote unquote, yeah. and then you have to choose. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So that that wasn't a the question, but I, I think I guess the question is one, is that true? And then two, from kind of a, a perspective and business standpoint, how do you fight what is essentially years and years and years and years of like cultural socialization of oh, young like, women that oh, there is only one important like thing to the do? The entire history. I was going to say like, the entire what history. What does it mean for their entire lives, world. right? So for, for the, the life <laughs> exactly. of, you know, I mean, and so, I mean, how do you, how do you yeah. do that? How do you navigate it? How yeah. do you change that? Yeah. You're so correct. I think, and that's the thought of most women, especially young women. Yeah. If they're not surrounded by women where they see them being mothers and have mm. a successful career, mm-hmm. then they don't have anything to point to. I think what's yeah. also more important is in your workplace, mm-hmm. if there is no one to guide you mm-hmm. and support mm-hmm. you on that journey, right. 
you're like, what am I doing? Because as we know, not just in finance, but any industry, most industries aren't built for mothers. The workplace (laughs) culture isn't built for mothers. mothers. And so personally, the way I was able to navigate it is that at every stage, so I've I've always worked in male dominated um, industries, Mm -hmm. but there was always a woman internally Mm -hmm. who was a champion for me, Mm -hmm. a champion to get promoted, a champion Mm -hmm. to give me tips and strategies on how to do this. Constantly saying, don't tap out, Mm -hmm. asking me, what do I need? Mm. Asking me, you know, how can we help you at home? Like actually doing background checks on babysitters for me. I mean, like all the like in the weeds with me. And so from the from the very beginning, working at the NFL with um, with other women around me who were mothers, I was Mm -hmm. like, wow. (laughs) <laughs> these women are VPs working around yeah. all these men and they're leaving because they got to take their child. Like mm-hmm. I never dawned mm-hmm. to me that I couldn't do, you know, what I was doing and have children. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that's important. But for so many women that I talk to, that's not their journey. That's mm-hmm. not their story. Mm-hmm. They don't have that type of network around them. So part of me starting an executive doula was to help women create that village, the but within support. the workplace. Yeah. How important it is, and, I, and I'll talk about it from my own perspective, to advocate for what it is you need and yes. speak up and say, like, yes. like when I had my twins, I was out of college all of, I don't even know, it had been a year, knew my career, and I didn't want to give up my career, but I also wanted to raise these kids. Absolutely. So I was like, hey, can I go, like, 27 hours a week, make it three days, and then I'm with them four days. Like, right. I had to ask for what I want. And can I get another mom to job share this thing and pass off certain, you know, Absolutely. responsibilities? Remember the, the guy that ran the company I was at? He never even thought of such a thing. It wasn't even on his radar. <laughs> right. And probably would have never it, thought about it. He would have never thought about it. And then he said, well, if you, so he said, if you can get the work done and it's quality, I'm going to let you do this thing. Try it. So yeah. my question to you is how much is it about advocacy, creativity, and, and defining what it is you need to be successful in the world, like the role you're in? 100% right. all about it. Mm. So real quick, I'll explain to you the difference between an executive doula of what I created. It's basically what you described okay. and what a normal doula is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a doula is really a support individual who mm-hmm. goes in and help educate, listen to the mother, but more importantly, help her to find her voice. Yeah. And not just the mom, also the father, mm. the right. partner, to help partner. them find their voice during the pregnancy and labor. What I've added on is a layer of almost like career coaching Mm. because I want them to also find that voice and advocate for themselves in the workplace. And it's not a business to consumer business model that I've created. It's a business to business Mm. because my thing is if businesses really want to retain top talent, Mm -hmm. top female talent, Mm -hmm. they will provide this level of service. Mm -hmm. And my ultimate goal is that insurance companies will cover this as a healthcare benefit because all women... Um, need support. All you know, we're not going to stop having babies, right? Right. And we're not going to stop going to college and getting educated and getting jobs. So we right. might as well start revving up, finding a way to blend better. Yeah, and yeah. we're not doing that. And yeah. it's funny in this day and time, we're still having this conversation. We're still having this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Say that about a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was just about this doula thing. So I had a midwife when I got pregnant with the boys, and then I, I wanted to have them at home. The state of Virginia. Right. This was '98. You're not having children at home. In right. Right. Legal. Uh, grew up in California. All my siblings were oh. born at home. So I knew it was possible. I remember when I went into the labor and delivery up at Fair Oaks Nova Hospital. I said, my children were born in Nova Fair Oaks. There you go. Yes, there you go. yes, I loved it. I was in the birthing room and I was like, I want to have natural childbirth. They kept sending the ep- the, ep- the guy that does the anesthesiologist yeah. the epidural over to the door. Like kind of pushing it. And I'm like, hear <laughs> me when I tell you. Yes. I will have these children naturally in this here hospital. I will only tell you that I did that because I was raised in an environment with a family where I knew it was possible. I saw my mom do it five times. Hmm. What happens if you don't, you know, so my voice came from my own sort of motherhood, matriarchy, right? So, but if you haven't seen that as an example, you don't. 
You don't do push you, back. How do you know? And I will tell you that my, my nurse midwife delivered both twins naturally in that hospital because the doctor got stuck in traffic. Didn't even deliver the second twin. <laughs> right. You're like, thank goodness it was meant to be. Literally. Right. And 10 minutes after they were born, I was up walking around the room. They were thriving. I was thriving. I, it, but it was my process. Have you were so, in control. It right. was your voice. So important. You will be amazed and maybe not at how many women do not find or even have their voice yeah. in that moment. Yeah. Same situation with me. With all four kids, yeah. and I switched OBGYNs because of it. They were always pushing for me to have a cesarean. Mm. Right. For no reason. <laughs> for no mm. reason. Normal blood pressure. Yeah. The only thing was weight. They're like, oh, you're gaining too much weight. Mm-hmm. I'm eating a lot. Yeah, there's and a I'm person ca- inside. And I'm carrying a whole person. <laughs> yes, yeah. I am gaining weight and yeah. I will be fine. Right. And literally, I mean, with a couple of labors and my husband, I, by baby number three, he had it down to a science. <laughs> yeah. And he knew what the plan we, was. We learned. We learned slowly, yeah, oh, but learned. we learned. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll, get, take, we'll get there. It may take a little We'll bit. get there by the third kid. <laughs> yeah. It took to baby number yeah. three yeah. for him to step up in the moment when the doctor was like, well, her blood pressure's dropping. You know, let's, they we could literally hear them calling for an emergency C section. He was like, no, she's fine. Like, yeah. and I said, I'm fine. Like, he had to advocate for me in that moment right. because came out fine. Like you said, got yeah. up, walk in, yeah. baby delivered like 10 minutes later. Yeah. But so many women do not. I have so many clients and I've heard so many stories of where they're told, oh, you need a C-section. Yeah. And they end up having one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they have these, you know, problems after recovery yeah. when really if we go back and look at and mm-hmm. talk about why they needed one. Yeah. Not really necessarily what they needed, it's, and women know for themselves. I'm gonna ask one last question. I promise. No, I, I don't. I don't expect. <laughs> this, I don't expect like to say a lot. I, I saw. By I saw. I see what's happening, yeah. and I'm. I'm. I look. I'm I not the smartest myself. guy in the, in well, the world, but I know what I, I know. What I don't know. I say, yeah. well, well, the birth of business. Business is a birth. Yeah, business is a birth. We're gonna have to <laughs> have you come back and, and keep the conversation going. But I think it was Serena that I just watched a documentary on her life when she had her. Oh yes, and talking about her her process and having the blood clots and telling the doctor like. I know I have this history. I can tell you what's going on with me. Um, and and I think, and also being a black woman, right? Knew she had specific, And not believe it. And it's Serena right. Williams. And it's Serena Williams, right? Like if she can't if have she, a voice in the room, what does that on. mean for all other black women? And we know infant mortality rates are higher in the black community. Absolutely. So talk to me a little bit about the black woman's experience of being an advocate. So it's another step, right? It's, a, it's an entire another layer yeah. of complex, you know, yeah. being a complex issue. Yeah. Um, but, and that goes back before, I think now in the past probably three, four years, that issue has been raised because so many mm. people mm. are paying attention to it now, mm. but it's been going on forever. forever. Um, and not just in birth, in yeah. regular healthcare. Yeah. So I think help our community needs to do a better job at finding their own voice when it mm-hmm. comes to their health. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about so many other disparities and equity mm-hmm. issues in the community, housing, mm-hmm. um, you know, socioeconomic problems, but we really don't talk about health. But health is truly your wealth. Yeah. And it actually connects the dots to so many other things. Yeah. Um, so we just need to do a better job at raising that conversation mm-hmm. to a level. And I think the pandemic has shed a little bit of light mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we definitely need to do a better job of talking about health in our community. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to jump in here and just thank our sponsor. I see what's going on. I'm thinking I'm not going to talk a lot. I'm not going to talk a lot today. Um, so I'm just going to sit here and educate myself. But I do have a question, because uh, especially about healthcare, because... You know, I mean, healthcare is complicated, right? And, 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 it's, and it's a whole sort of expertise. And so devil's advocate is not the right word. But I think my question is, in, in a situation where it can literally be life and death, mm-hmm. how how much 
trust is there in medicine, right? And sort of how do you find that line between looking at someone yeah. and, and them being like, with the medical school for a thousand years, I'm trying to help you versus you being like, I want to have this type of experience, right? So just working through that with the understanding that the standard of care is not always as high for minorities. So you're looking at kind of a double-edged exactly. sword, right? I think this, we tend to look at medicine with a little bit of skepticism, mostly earned, but then also it's kind of sometimes like that person might just be like, they, you really need to do yep. this thing. Mm-hmm. I say we need to get back to the basics. And look, I always tell my clients and women this early on. Bedside manner mm. is very mm-hmm. important. Yeah. So when you have your first appointment, when you mm-hmm. first engage with doctors, midwives, OBGYNs, whoever you're seeing, how do they treat you? Mm-hmm. How do they acknowledge your questions? Is it acknowledged or do they kind of pass over it? Mm-hmm. Do they give you answers based on your insurance profile or do they give you <laughs> answers based on their expertise? Mm-hmm. Sure. And I sure. actually asked that question personally myself. I'm saying, are you telling me we're going to solve this issue based on what my insurance is going to cover? Right. Are you telling me we can solve this based on here's exactly how we can resolve this? Mm. Because there's a difference. And I, I mean, I have to advocate for myself. I recently was at the pediatrician's office and she actually asked me, I was like, oh my gosh, do you work in healthcare? Like, I can't believe the questions you're asking me. The fact that you're shocked that I'm asking you these questions, Mm. we we actually have a problem. And I'm only seeing you in emergency cases and best believe I won't come back and see you. So, but it just highlighted that Mm. when Mm -hmm. you ask and you push back, people are sometimes shocked because I'm a minority. But, and I'm only able to ask the questions because I've been around the environment. I come from a family of who actually, I have doctors in my family, Uh social workers, therapists. Mm -hmm. And so I come from kind of this family of asking questions and pushing back on healthcare. Um, But you're right. You know, and I think, Sometimes people aren't empowered to talk about health care because it's not their expertise. Sure. Yeah. And it goes back to, I think, a history of culture issues where white is right. Sure. Yeah. And we don't talk about that. We don't have a voice. But yeah. you know your body. Yeah. You Absolutely. know what you're feeling. If someone is prescribing something to you and you honestly don't know the ingredients, you don't know what the re- Ask the question. Speak yeah. up sure. and ask. Yeah. yeah. And is so, so is, is the question, is the burden of burden of sort of information on the patient at some level and if that is the case how do people educate themselves assuming because i mean i look around at us i'm like okay we've got resources right we can we can figure things out we know to ask questions right but there's a whole whole lot of people who either like you said either are afraid to or Mm -hmm. honestly don't have the information you don't know. So you're going to defer to the expert, you said with air quotes in this room where you can see (laughs) it, right? So how do you, how do you, if you're someone who's, you know, busy or, you know, sort of resource constrained, I mean, how do you get enough information to at least feel confident enough to ask that question? So it does take a little bit of homework. It's not easy if you don't have the resources, but do not be afraid to ask what you do not know. Mm -hmm. Even that expert, let them know. Um, I'm not quite comfortable. Yeah. Um, you should have an answer. To yeah, that. yeah, I'm not quite comfortable with what you're telling me. I'd rather get a second opinion. Always remember, healthcare is a business. At the <laughs> bottom line, they're banking on your health tanking. Yep. Yes. Yep. I always have to remind people like that. Mm-hmm. It's a business. They're all sitting in a business office. They're calculating how many cesareans they're going to have this month based they on are. pre-scheduling, how many yeah. epidurals. I mean, it's a business. People don't know, but people, but people don't know that though. They don't, oh, know, that. don't know that. They don't know that. They right? do not know that. They do like, not know that. They're, they're here for me and my best interest. I wish so, you could have seen her. I wish you could have seen her face. I wish you could have seen her face. Like when you go shopping yeah. and you're yeah. looking for the best of a particular, th- let's say a couch, yeah. you want to make sure you get the right couch. You're spending a lot of money on it. Yeah. Think about that in the, se- oh, you're buying a car. I always tell people, you look for the best mm-hmm. car. You spend a lot of money on it. 
Think about the same thing with your health. You want to get the best provider mm-hmm. that's going to treat you right for the amount of money, whether it's your money or your insurance money mm-hmm. that's being spent. So it's okay to go to someone else. It's okay yeah. to tell someone, oh, I'm not comfortable with this. Can you recommend someone else? If they can't, ask the person at the front mm-hmm. desk. Best believe the person at the front desk, wherever <laughs> yeah. you're going, yeah. has a laundry list of other providers in your area. Mm. Um, yeah. So just ask. Ask around. Ask family. Ask friends. That's mm. really I was going to say, Pam Sutton Wallace said this to me. He used to run the yes, University yes, of Virginia I, Hospital yes. System. Amazing woman. She said, we were sitting there one day, and she's like, Robbie, understand. Hospitals are not in the business of making sure people stay healthy. Thank you. Sure. And it was such a profound moment because my whole life has been about preventative health and health equity and making sure people have access to gyms sure. and taking care mm-hmm. of themselves and, and good food and all this other stuff. And I was like, gosh, boy, that's true, right? They, so true. they bank on what you just described, like how many people are going to be sick. Not that they want people to be sick. But they're in the business of taking care of sick humans, right? And so it was a defining moment. One other point I wanted to make is we had Ebony Hilton in here, I don't know, a month ago. And she's a local anesthesiologist, black Mm -hmm. anesthesiologist over at UVA working the COVID unit. And she said, we grew up in Little Africa. We didn't have any resources, really. And we never went to the doctor unless we were really sick. My mom, I mean, she wanted us to be healthy, but we didn't have the resources. Talk to me a little bit about that. So we're talking about people being advocates for their health and speaking up. But what happens when you don't even have... Um, the ability to get to a doctor like how do you prioritize what's 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 that pathway look like for for people so i think that's why there are health disparities for one in our culture Mm. it's because the lack of access so i'm actually working on my doctorate in healthcare administration because of my finance background i'm very interested in the access of capital and how it's flowing to healthcare. Mm. um Right now, a lot of us are in the conversation. And when I say a lot yeah. of us, minorities. Yeah. We're not, e- we're not even in mm-hmm. the right rooms. You're not even in the rooms where those decisions are no. being made, which is the key. Which is, stuff, which is right? the key. And I'm not yeah. even talking about at the actual hospital site in that within that administration. I'm talking about the funders for the hospital, the investors, mm. the pension plans. Like how is the capital actually The people, flowing? Like resource, the people and the resources. Yeah. It's not flowing. And people aren't, as long as people aren't questioning how it's flowing, that is flow, we will nothing con- changes. Nothing changes. Because it always goes back to money. If you oh, can follow the money, if you you're going to follow where the, always where the decision, say that. I always say it too. Always You'll say it. You'll see where power is. You guys, you guys haven't met before, made. have you? No. No. <laughs> I feel like you guys are playing a joke on me. You're like, oh, we've never met. And you guys are having this no. moment over here. And you're like, that oh, yeah, we've never seen like, each other before. You guys are a thousand percent texting each other under the desk. No, and you know what? One of the things that really bothers me and okay. kind of sparked this new journey that I'm on is that people don't understand the power that they actually hold in their hands. Yeah. The bulk of the capital <laughs> of this country actually flow, flows from federal, yeah. state, local yeah. pension plans. Absolutely. Hmm. People who work for the local, yeah. state. That's their pension money. That they've it's been their pulled. pension money. Yeah, mm-hmm. been but they aren't comfortable with asking the right questions. If they would mm-hmm. show up, Mm. to these pension plan meetings when they're mm. figuring out how the full capital, the how the portfolio is going to be structured. Mm-hmm. If they stepped up and asked the question and just say, how many diverse portfolio managers are managing mm-hmm. my, mm. my portfolio, mm-hmm. my money? Right. What industries is the capital flowing to? Absolutely. Is it all infrastructure? How much is going to healthcare? How much is going to education? Things would change. Things would change. I would agree. But you would be amazed at some of these meetings. Mm-hmm. One or two people show up mm. yeah. and you have all of these teacher, firefighters, police officers, people who work locally in their communities and they don't even question it. It's their resources. It. Mm-hmm. It's their called. money that's yeah. being managed by p- other people. So yeah. 
I always tell people you need to speak up and get involved in these conversations. Open the mail. I, I yeah. always say, you know, <laughs> when you, those mail comes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When, when you get the when your quarterly statement. The, yeah, the quarterly statement. and understand what's oh, happening. Believe me, at the bottom, <laughs> the date of the meeting yeah. and the time and yeah. how you can access yeah. it is mm-hmm. there. They always put it there. Yeah, they always put it there. They have to, um, it's funny. their fiduciary duty. Fiduciary responsibility. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But we're we're not we're not even in the conversation. Yeah. And so while I, I always appreciate I'm heavily involved in the community too and trying to help people find their voice and push them to show up and ask the questions. Mm-hmm. But as long as they continue to step back and sit back, yeah, not much is gonna change. So it's mm-hmm. about leaning in. We gotta lean in. You have to lean you have to lean yeah. in, step in and speak up. You have to yeah. do it all. Mm-hmm. You have to do mm-hmm. it all. You have yeah. to show up, lean in and speak up. Yep. Absolutely. I've got a. I've just got one more for you, and then we believe it or not have to time. have to wrap. <laughs> but I do want to hear. I do. I told you. I told you. It's simple. I do want to. And I've talked to a couple people about this. I talked to Ty about this, and a couple of other folks about your HBCU experience. Ah. And it's. <laughs> Hey, he's Norfolk State. Oh, I had no idea. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, t- I told you this, and I said this on here. Is that, is that well, well, shout out to yeah. my mother. Is yeah. is also Norfolk State graduate. Yes, um, passionate group of humans. And so, oh, but talk a little bit about that, right? Because what the question that I asked him, and, and I'll sort of frame the same one to you, is mm-hmm. that I think I'm trying to tie it back to what you said earlier about this really works when institutions recognize it as viable and useful, right? Absolutely. So we could talk about all the cultural and educational mm-hmm. values of HBCUs, but are they really valuable if? The institutions and the organizations and the businesses don't value them. And so my question to you is, mm-hmm. as someone who's been successful from an HBCU, my mom the same way, Ty the same way, yep. you know, yep. is are we starting to see a little bit of shift of... Well, Juan. Juan Diego Juan Diego Norfolk Way, another State. Norfolk State, yes. another yeah. Norfolk State. Yeah. Right. Are we starting to see a little bit of a shift where, you know, because traditionally it's like, okay, UVA, William & Mary, which yep. I can't throw a stone in that house because I went to William & Mary. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you, okay, know, these, you were down these the road. The, yeah, down that's down right. Road. That's right. We're down 64 a little bit. We, it's still a 757, but right. it's a very different Different part of 757. Very different, Very 757. Different. Um, but you know, we're starting to see a little bit of a, a shift instead of, especially minority kids, because right. talking about, I want an educational experience, but I want a cultural experience, too. Absolutely. Right? And so are we starting to shift enough where we can say, hey, you know, from an equity standpoint, we can send kids to these HBCUs and still allow them to be successful on the back end? So I'll give you some quick background on me and my journey to Norfolk mm-hmm. State. So actually, I was third generation Norfolk wow. State. Wow. So my parents met there. I was actually born at Norfolk General Hospital, which was on the campus of oh, Norfolk yeah. State in the 70s. <laughs> so it was almost like I was destined yeah. to go That's there. Destined to go <laughs> right. Yeah. My great aunts and uncles attended Norfolk State University. Wow. And now wow. we have the fourth generation That's an, that's of cousins and folks attended Norfolk State. Um, I've always been told, but I grew up going to homecomings. I was, all, yeah, you know, I was sure. always there. Yeah. I remember Culture experience. Yeah, it was yeah. a whole experience. Yeah. But my freshman year, I actually went to Virginia State University. Yeah. Thinking, oh, I had, you know, friends from high school was going there. I had one cousin that was there. I'm going to branch out. When nobody in your family shows up the family weekend and nobody shows up the homecoming. <laughs> Sad. You're like, oh, okay, yeah. maybe I made yeah. a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Not for me. Right, not yeah. for me. But I always tell kids this. A, a situation is whatever you make it. Mm. Don't heavily rely on what someone is going to give you. Yeah. What can you also give it? Mm. And my parents told me that. My great aunts and uncles told me that. So when I was in Norfolk State, I was very involved. Mm. I was always doing internships. I worked at WNSB, the radio station there. I worked for the city of Norfolk when I was in school. Yeah. Like I, I was busy. I got mm-hmm. going. I started building that, that resume. Mm. Yes. You know, I started connecting with all of the yeah. different be departments. Proactive. You have to be proactive. If you wait for life to happen, it will pass it you It will by. pass you right on by. <laughs> you better be proactive. So regardless, yeah. I say of what school you're at, yeah. 
you have to be engaged. You mm-hmm. have yeah. to be proactive. You have Agreed. to speak up and talk about your interests right. because it's what you make it. I mean, me and my husband, he also went to Norfolk State. We met there, but then he transferred <laughs> to ODU. So he had a, ah, okay, he yeah. had a kind of different experience. Um, we always talk about the financial aid line in Norfolk State and financial aid <laughs> yep. line. In, there you go. Actually, there That's was funny. no line yep. in ODU. Like, yeah. And you got your refund yeah, check on the same day. Got your refund <laughs> check on the same day. Oh, a whole different situation. That's a whole different situation. Um, but it's so important, regardless of where you are, mm. being engaged, being proactive, and going back in support. I had so many alumni when I was at school mm-hmm. who gave back, who came back, kind of gave me the, the the steps to this is yeah. what you should be doing. This is what you should be thinking about. And I do the same thing. I go back and talk about here's what you should be thinking about. Here's what you mm-hmm. should be doing. Just don't rely on what you expect of others to hmm. do for you all the time. It goes back to that network we talked Absolutely. about at the beginning of the interview today. Absolutely. Having a pipeline, a network, a pathway. Absolutely. System. Yeah. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> That is it. That is. And it's a life lesson that yeah. you will carry through the rest of your profession, yeah. your professional mm. life. Well, it feeds into that empowerment that we've talked about and the advocacy. Like, you just know. Yeah. Yeah, you show up knowing. Yeah. But we want to make sure that that message is spread to others. Yeah. Like, yeah. I never I never had in my I never had in my brain, I'm going to go to Norfolk State and it's not going to work out because huh. it's Norfolk State. I went to Norfolk State. Like, I'm a Spartan. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to graduate yeah. with a great resume yep. and I'm, I'm going out here. Like, that was always my mindset. Yeah. Mm. Yep. I love it. You guys are going to keep pretending like you've never met before? <laughs> <laughs> I swear. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Look, whatever. <laughs> Big thanks, Janelle. Thank you for, for coming down and, oh, and spending some time with me. us. I'm and again, it. thanks to our yeah. sponsor, Carter Myers Automotive. If you want to get in touch with us, have ideas for the show, other people we should talk to, other people, Robbie, pretend she's never met. <laughs> Check us out on social media, on all platforms, at United Way Seville. Drop us a note, envision at unitedwayseville.org. Um, how do we get in touch with you? We've got your site here. Check out Janelle's work, executivedoula.com. Are there other good ways to get in touch with you or Instagram, Executive Doula, follow our journey, what we're talking about. Support men as our allies. We have a series called His Birth Stories. Mm. We promote listening to men and, you know, their thought on birth and working and that sort of thing. So follow us on Instagram. Check them out on Instagram and at www.executivedoula.com. For Janelle, Robbie, this is Price Thomas. We will catch you guys next week.